right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and it's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, we are just past Independence Day. We celebrated 4th of July, and I just hope that you all who are living in the States or even living in any free country, if you're listening to this, I hope you realize just and what a what an incredible gift from God that this freedom is. We have freedom to worship. We have freedom to gather together. We have freedom to uh, open the word and and express ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you as I kick this thing off, I just want to encourage you to praise God for independence. Praise God for independence. I was actually just reading uh, this morning from First Peter chapter 2, and he was talking about freedom in Christ, and he was like, don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but use it to serve God. Like, your freedom is designed to serve God, and we are never more free than when we are serving God. And so I just want to remind you of that. I just want you to, man, just be thankful for that. And then as we look towards the second half of the year, we like we've got six months in 2023. Like, how are you going to use that freedom to make the name of Christ great? How are you going to use that freedom to honor the Lord? How are you going to use that freedom to make uh to to bring him glory in your family, in your body, in your business? Like, however that looks for you. Let's not waste the second half of this year of 2023. So I want to encourage you in that uh, before we get going. And then I also want to make another announcement. Uh, as most of you all should know, I do have, there is a free course for anybody who is struggling with uh, pornography and masturbation, who really wants to walk through a course, a gospel-centered course that. Uh, is leads you through what I think are very five biblically based gospel centered ways or uh, pro this process like a five step process where you can be free from pornography. You can find that at naturalpornkiller.com. And then also at the same time, if you're interested in walking with other brothers through this struggle plus all other areas of life, uh, then I want you to check out themanofvalor.com because this is a community. It's small right now. Uh, we are uh, we are like learning together. We're having weekly calls. Uh, we're encouraging each other. We're holding each other accountable. So if you just need a group of men who are like-minded followers of Christ from around the country who are seeking to uh, use their lives in a way that honors the Lord. I want you to check that out. You can go to themanofvalor.com and you can find out more information about that. It's completely up to you. Again, Natural Porn Killer is a completely free course. And then the Man of Valor is more of a, a, a community, more of like a mastermind for brothers in Christ who want to grow in their faith, who want to honor the Lord in their family, with their body, in their business, uh, so if that's something that you need, that you want, I hope that you'd go check that out at themanofvalor.com. But let's get right into this. Now, I have been reading a book from Andrew Murray called The Masters Indwelling. Now, I've had this book for about 20 years. I would imagine around 20 years. I read it many years ago, around 20 years ago, 15 or 20 years ago. I just picked it up as Alice and I were going to Chattanooga to hang out with her family. I was like, I'd like a, a book to read. 
if, if you don't know, like I've injured my knee, so I have, I'm not as active as I once was. Uh, I'm, I might have a tear in my meniscus, so I'm going to see a doctor about that. So I knew I was going to be just hanging out and not going anywhere out, really outside of their house. And so I grabbed this book. I don't know why I went to my bookshelf and I just grabbed this book and it's a fantastic book. I've probably read half of it and I just had all of these thoughts like, from and it's and it's based on First Corinthians three one through three. So we're going to get into this, but he really lays out what I think beautifully um, the two types of Christians that Paul addresses in First Corinthians, and then we even see this addressed again in Hebrews chapter five. And so I want to talk to you about this because I want us to be thinking and be very, very conscious about this life in Christ. Because I do see, I've worked with a lot of men, and I do see these two types of believers. And I believe that everyone who is a follower of Christ, who's truly a follower of Christ, desires to be one and not the other. You desire to be one and not the other. And so this is going to be like part one of this part one of this podcast. This is part one. I'll, I'll record another one, hopefully this weekend. It's going to talk about, so now that we've identified these two types of believers, which ones are you? Like, be honest with yourself. This is something I had to wrestle with this past weekend, just in my quiet time. And then the next part is going to be, so what do you do if you desire to be the other type of believer? All right, so let's let's get into it. So I'm going to read this from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So let's let's look at the context of this passage. So Paul is writing the church at Corinth, and he's writing believers. These are followers of Christ, and that's why he addressed them as brothers or brothers and sisters in the original language. So this is a universal follower of Christ. So he's addressing the church. He's not addressing people who are not saved. He's addressing people who are saved. And he's just been talking about this incredible wisdom of God that is the power of God, which is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And he's like, but but I, brothers, like I couldn't really even talk to you as spiritual people. I couldn't go deep with you, but I had to talk to you as carnal Christians or people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. And, and so I fed you with milk, not solid food. And so this this takes us back to Hebrews or forward to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 and 14, the writer in Hebrews is addressing the church, also addressing believers. And he has just in the first four chapters been talking about the supremacy of Christ, the priesthood of Christ, the eternal priesthood of Christ, like this incredible, these incredible four uh, chapters of Hebrews, which are beautiful. He then goes in chapter 5, verse 11, 11, about this, so about Christ and about his 
priesthood about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So he's saying, church, you're not listening. You haven't been hearing me. You need to wake up, unstop your ears. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Now, this corresponds with what Paul said in 1 Corinthians up here. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food. And Hebrew writer is saying, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food, so not milk, Solid food is for the mature who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the two types of Christians, the two types of believers that you and I need to, like we need to examine ourselves on a daily basis to determine which one we are, and then we're going to talk in the next episode, we're going to talk about what to do about it if you find yourself in one camp and not the other. So the two types of Christians, according to this passage or these passages, there's the spiritual believer. This is the person who is filled with the Spirit. And then there's the carnal Christian, the carnal believer, or the fleshly, the person of the flesh, as Paul calls them. So two types and I just, in my journal, I just wrote down, a, I drew a line down the middle of my journal, and I wrote spiritual on one side and carnal on the other, or worldly. And then I just started writing, what are the characteristics of each one of those? And and so I'm not going to go through the whole list, but so I, what I want to do is I want to point out, and this is, again, I'm going back to Andrew Murray, his book, The Master's Enjoy. I'm going to point out four four um, ways or four characteristics of the carnal Christian, of the, the person of the flesh, the man of the flesh. So four marks of the carnal Christian. We're going to talk about each one of them. And then in the next episode, we're going to talk about what do you do about it? So four marks of the carnal Christian. Number one, there is a prolonged infancy. So this person is not growing in his faith. He needs milk, not meat. Even though, even though according to Hebrews 5, this person should be leading others at this point. Like, brothers, you were created in Christ. When you were giving the new, given the new birth in Christ, you were created to grow up in your faith. You were created to grow up in your faith, and, and not just for yourself, but you were created to grow up in your faith so that you could lead other people in the faith. The whole the whole crux of the New Testament, when Jesus was ascending to heaven, he said, go and make disciples. So this is what we must do. And there's no child, there's no infant, there's no baby who can make a disciple. It, it can't be done. Instead, what you end up doing is making a disciple another baby. And I thought about this. I mean, honestly, I was just thinking about my son and I was and my daughter, and I was just thinking, man, Lord, how can I 
raise disciples who are mature in faith if I myself am not mature in my faith, if I'm not able to teach others. So that's what the, that's what the Hebrew writer said. He said, for by this time, you ought to be teachers. So I could say to you, brothers, by this time, you ought to be making disciples. Some of you have been believers for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. By this time, you ought to be teaching and leading and making disciples. But instead, you still need milk. And this is the truth. Babies don't train and babies don't grow strong on their own. Instead, they cry, they cry, and they have people serve them. They're always looking to be served and not to serve. They remain in the nurseries of their churches. So Galatians 6, 1 and 2 shows both types of this believer when it says, and I'm pulling this from memory, but he's essentially saying, hey, brothers, if any if any one of you is caught up in sin, so this is more of a habitual sin, not just caught in any sin. If any of you is caught up in sin, you who are spiritual should go and restore him with a spirit of gentleness and meekness, but be careful that you yourself don't fall. So here are two types of believers, the one who is caught up in sin, and then the other brother or sister who is spiritual or filled with the Spirit. So the first mark of the carnal Christian is a prolonged infancy. You are still not skilled and not able to discern the Word of God and lead others. You're still in the nursery. Now, I hope some of you don't get offended at this, but but we need to wake up. And I'm preaching like I'm not even preaching. I'm saying this to myself as a reminder. I'm saying this to myself. All right. Mark number two. They are constantly caught up in habitual sin. So the carnal Christian is not very good at discerning good from evil. And so he finds himself in the enemy trap over and over again, even though he has adequate warning signs, he knows the dangers, he sees he sees other brothers falling by the wayside, yet he himself doesn't pay attention. So he stays trapped, he stays a slave to habitual sin. So this person tries to address the problem, the behavior, without addressing the root of the issue. So that's like going and uh, going to a tree and trimming the branches, trying to trim off this these behaviors without addressing the root. What's going to happen with that tree? Well, it's going to continue to be fed the same thing. The root is going to continue to feed the tree, which is going to grow the same fruit off the tree. So look at your life and look at the sins that you struggle with. And for some of you, this may not be massive sins of or what we consider massive sins like pornography and masturbation. This could be, this could be more what Jerry Bridges calls respectable sins, envy, like gossip, um, things like the anger, unchecked anger. So, so think about this. 
This is what this is what Paul says in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh, so flesh carnal. So this is this is the fruit of the man who is a carnal Christian, even. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul's saying, why, after being saved, do we want to still act like we're not saved? You should be bearing the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the flesh. And so we need to be diligent in asking ourselves, is there anything, is there any sin that I have been caught up in that I have just like let run unchecked in my life? Because brother, I can promise you it will lead to, it will lead to something that could destroy your family. And I just, just had a brother reach out to me and he has gone down a path that has led to the destruction of his involvement in a ministry, the, the, almost the destruction of his marriage, the questioning of his faith. Brothers, we cannot sit back and think. We cannot be so arrogant to think that our habitual sin will not destroy us because it will. So that's the second mark of the carnal Christian. The first is prolonged infancy. The second is caught up in habitual sin. The third is that they, these Christians tend to focus on visible works. Now, what do I mean by this? What I mean by this is when you look back at the Corinthians, he's calling them carnal Christians. He's calling them people of the flesh, but yet, they were exercising spiritual gifts. So, right, they tend, these people tend to focus on visible works because the truth is we want everybody to think well of us. We'd rather be thought of as righteous than actually be righteous. We'd like to be thought of as holy as opposed to being holy. And so these people may be gifted teachers or they may excel in giving. They may be incredible administrators or worship leaders. These outward manifestations of the Spirit are good. Like, I praise God for them. They're, they're meant for the building up of the body, of the church. But one of the marks of a carnal Christian is their private life would not receive the praise for men that they've grown accustomed to. Like, they would not, they would not receive it. If... Like, I, I can't remember who said this quote, whose quote this was. It may be Spurgeon. I can't really remember. But he said, who you are at home is who you are and nothing else. So who you are in your private life is who you are and nothing else, period, the end. No matter how many Bible classes you teach, no matter, no matter how many podcasts you record, Spencer talking to myself, no matter how many Bible verses you tweet out, or inspirational quotes you 
post on Instagram or whatever the case, it doesn't even matter. No matter how many hymns you sing, like nothing replaces what truly goes on in your private life. And so if you find yourself focusing on visible works and, and these are gifts from the spirit, spiritual giftings, and you focus on those because people can see them and not on your own personal development, spiritual development, things like confessing sin, things like loving others, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. He's talking to this church. He said, I, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so he's, he's essentially saying, church, listen, if I've got all these spiritual gifts, even the gifts like speaking in tongues, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul's saying the fruit of the Spirit is love. Like, How do you know that you're not carnal? How do you know that you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you and living through you? You love. I can pretend I can speak in tongues of men and angels. I can have prophetic powers and understand mysteries. And I can sit here and I can teach on this podcast or speak to a group of men or communicate with brothers inside of, of this group that we have. I can do all of that and have not love. Like Paul's emphasis is on our heart. All acts, all acts, all gifting, if it doesn't flow from love, point to a carnal life of fake fruit. Notice the words he says, I am nothing and I gain nothing. Right, the fourth mark of the carnal Christian is they neglect the basic training that would make them fit for war. Now, what do you, what do I mean by that? Well, I think about, I think about Paul talking to Timothy. He's like, be a good soldier. Like, don't get involved in civilian affairs. A good soldier doesn't worry about civilian affairs. He is there to serve his commanding officer. And truthfully, soldiers are trained and ready for war. So, you know, Paul's telling Timothy, be a good soldier. What do soldiers do? They train. He also said, be a good athlete. What do athletes do? He said, um, well, they train. Be a good farmer. They work hard. So soldiers are trained and ready for war, but carnal Christian is more interested in the easy life a life free from habitual sin and marital strife and poor health and financial strain without without the the disciplines of the spirit the spiritual disciplines like the goal of the goal of our faith 
Like Christ died on the cross to bring us to God. And so our desire, our what we should be consumed with is knowing God. And the way we know God are through the spiritual disciplines. It, it is through prayer. It is through the study of the Bible. It is through meditating and memorization. Like these are the ways that we know God. And so if you're a Christian, if you're a brother in Christ and you're neglecting even basic training, which is going to prepare you for spiritual battle and draw you closer to God, then are you not only acting in a carnal way? John Piper put it like this, and this is this was very convicting. I heard this. This is what he said. He said, would you be satisfied to go to heaven, to have everybody there in your family that you want there, to have all the health and restoration of your prime, and have everything you disliked about yourself fixed, have every recreation you've ever dreamed available to you, and have infinite resources and money to spend? Would you be satisfied if God weren't there? Now this is the this is the whole movement of this prosperity gospel that we come to God to get his material gifts we come to God to get blessed in this life materially yes spiritually maybe look at how much God has blessed me look at how much God has blessed me and listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't bless with material goods. He obviously does. Like our free, we just I just talked about our freedom here in the United States. This freedom is a gift from God. The ability to have food and clothing and a home is a gift from God. But they're not God. And our trouble, what we do as humans, is we take good things and make them God things. And brothers. There is no bank account balance that is going to be a savior for you. There is no job that's going to save you from your sins. All of these things make horrible saviors. Your spouse is not your savior. Your children are not your savior. Your job, your money, your health. So, don't neglect the basic training that would make you fit for war. This is the way Timothy, this is the way Paul told Timothy. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So I want to tell you that even our Bible study, even our prayer, even our meditation, even our memorization is a gift from God. It is grace from God. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't have the desire to read my Bible, I don't have the desire to pray, you know what you can do? You can pray for the grace that God would freely give you to desire it more. Like simple prayers, God, give me more desire to know you. Give me more desire to wake up and to do what is required to know you more. Give me a desire to read your word, to study your word, to pray, to memorize, to meditate, to give. God, give me stronger desires for that than what is in the world. Training and development and becoming combat ready is by the grace of God. 
And then it is an activity intentionally taken by the soldier. That's this is you are a soldier, brother in Christ. Like if you are a follower of Christ, you are enlisted into his army and you will not have an easy path. Like this life is not going to be easy. You you have to fight just to resist the temptations of our culture. This is a quote from Andrew Murray from the book. He says, we often hear about the compromised life, and the question comes up, what lies at the root of our compromise? What is the reason that so many Christians are wasting their lives in the terrible bondage of the world instead of living in the manifestation and the privilege of the glory and the glory of the child of God? And another question comes to us. What can be the reason that when we see a thing is wrong and strive against it, we can't conquer it? What can be the reason that we have a hundred times prayed and vowed, yet here we are still living a mingled and divided and half-hearted life? To those two questions, there is one answer. It is the self that is at the root of the whole trouble. And therefore, if anyone asked me, how can I get rid of this compromised life? The answer would not be, you must do this or that or the other thing, but the answer would be a new life from above. The life of Christ must take the place of the self-life. Then alone can we be conquerors. So brother, I want to end this podcast just with an encouragement to you. Like if, if any of these four that I've said here are, if you look at those and you go, wow, four marks of the, of the worldly Christian, the carnal Christian, the Christian of the flesh, four marks, a prolonged infancy. Yes. I'm still a child in the faith. I don't like, I'm not desiring the meat. I'm still stuck in the, the milk. If that's you, or if you're caught up in habitual sin, or if you're focused more on visible works, almost as a cover-up for things that you're doing, almost as a as a distraction from like the the lack of intimacy you have with Christ in your private life, or if you are neglecting just the basic training that would prepare you to live a life of honorable service to the King of Kings. Like if any of these marks, if you have found yourself saying, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. I want to encourage you, brothers. There's grace. There's grace. And and it's not a go and do this, go and do that. It is the new life of Christ that he freely gives us. And so I want to encourage you. In the, in the next episode, we're going to talk about what does that look like? How do I have this life. Like this is something I've been wrestling with. I've been journaling about. So I'm going to share some of my thoughts with you. I'm going to share some of the things that I'm struggling with because if we can't be honest with each other, then we just end up living a life of fantasy where everything is good and everybody you meet at church is good and nobody has any problems. And guess what? That's called Instagram. That's called social media. And like, why would we ever, why would we ever think that living a fake social media life with brothers and sisters in Christ is going to yield any fruit for the glory of God? It's not. Brothers, we need to be 
confessing sin to each other. We need to be restoring each other. We need to be loving each other, praying for each other, teaching each other, discipling each other. So that's why I'm most excited about this group of men that we're putting together that that have already come together at the Man of Valor is because like these brothers are not interested in living a passive life. These brothers are interested in engaging, engaging and confessing sin and saying, here is what I'm struggling with. Here is what I'm most upset about. Then we can pray for each other. We can encourage each other. So, all right, brothers, that is it. I do want to ask you for one last thing. I haven't asked this in a long time. If you would, if you found value in any of these podcasts, if you would leave a review, um, I, I I don't think you can leave a review on Spotify. Definitely you can give a star or whatever on Spotify, which is fantastic. I didn't even know you could do that, but I saw it on there. But if you could leave a review, especially on Apple iTunes or, or podcasts, we absolutely... Um, like that helps other people decide should they listen to the podcast or not or not. So if if you believe this is biblically based, gospel centered, that's the only way I, I would encourage you to share it. But brother, share the podcast, leave a review, type out a review. If you if you would do that, that absolutely helps. We've had several people do that. So anyway, that's my ask. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We will be back with another episode to follow up with this one. And I'll see you next time.